Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Oncology Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Quill. Today's episode features expert answers to clinician questions on current and emerging biomarkers relevant to the use of immune checkpoint inhibitor-based therapies for patients with advanced non-small cell lung cancer. This episode is part of a larger educational program titled New and Evolving Therapeutic Targets in Lung Cancer, Expert Guidance in Incorporating Biomarker Testing to Deliver Precision Therapy. During this podcast, Dr. Edward Kim from the Levine Cancer Institute in Charlotte and Dr. Leora Horn from the Vanderbilt Ingram Cancer Center in Nashville will answer questions asked by the audience during a live webinar on such important topics as emerging biomarkers indicating a lack of response to checkpoint inhibitors, identifying patients who would benefit from chemotherapy combined with either single-agent or dual immune checkpoint inhibitors, and selecting therapy for disease without actionable driver mutations and with different levels of pdl one expression. For more information on Dr. Kim and Dr. Horn, along with a link to the complete program, including a downloadable slide set and a downloadable PDF of key points from this podcast, please visit the show notes for this episode. Now let's get started and hear what the experts have to say on this important topic. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Really great to uh, do this together with uh, Dr. Horn. Okay, so we do have some questions. So, uh... First one, I'm going to sort of just answer what's the approach to a non-small cell lung cancer patient whose tumor is PDL1 1 to 49%. And I think on the higher side, you like to give the single agent, um, but in the middle, I think uh, I'm, I'm a you know 189 person. I assume you're probably in that area as well. Yeah, it, it's it's a pretty easy regimen to give. Um, so yeah, 100% agree with you. So Keynote 189 was one of the positive trials. This was a trial looking at uh, chemotherapy with platinum pemetrexid and pembrolizumab followed for four cycles, followed by maintenance pemetrexid and pembrolizumab or platinum and pemetrexid chemotherapy, again, excluding patients who are EGFR and ALK positive. We saw uh, patients were enrolled regardless of their pdl one expression. We saw a higher response rate with chemotherapy and checkpoint inhibitor around 50% compared to around 20% um, for chemotherapy alone. Uh, progression-free survival um, of 4.9 months for patients receiving chemotherapy, some folks arguing that the control arm underperformed in the study um, compared to 8.8 months with the combination, and a median overall survival that had not been reached for patients receiving pembrolizumab and platinum pemetrexate therapy compared to 11.3 months overall survival in the control arm. Yeah. Okay, one question. Um... Patient uh, driver mutation negative, PDL1 80%, NGS shows STK11 and uh, keep mutation. What's your recommended first line? IO alone versus IO chemo versus IO doublets? Um, I, I haven't done IO doublets, although there is some suggestion that maybe you can rec- uh, rescue those patients with ipilimumab when you add it to nivolumab. Um, I might think about the 9LA regimen in this patient um, with uh, carbopemetrexid and nevo-ipi. I wouldn't give a, a IO alone. Um, I, you know, I have some patients, unfortunately, in retrospect, as this data was emerging before I even knew about it, who did not do well with chemo or IO alone. Um, so I would go for a combination therapy, and I would probably think about the 9LA regimen. Now, this was a study that looked at patients um, 
with uh, chemotherapy for two cycles with nivolumab and ipilimumab, followed by maintenance nivolumab and ipilimumab compared to chemotherapy. Now, what the purpose of the study was is for many of the survival curves, when we see checkmate, in, uh, checkmate inhibitor therapy alone, we see this rapid progression in a cohort of patients. And the question was, what if you give two cycles of chemotherapy with the checkpoint inhibitor up front? Could you potentially not have that rapid progression? And we can see in the survival curves that maybe we can. Um, this study demonstrated a significant improvement in overall survival, 15.6 months, with nivolumab, ipilimumab, and chemotherapy, compared to 10.9 months for patients receiving chemotherapy alone, and a hazard ratio of 0.66. Yeah, I, I think uh, there are going to be some niches uh, agree with that regimen. Uh, it showed some intriguing uh, data. Uh, just sort of uh, along the same line, uh, somebody was asking about TMB. Uh, you know, they were asking about controversial cutoffs. Uh, I think uh, there's been a lot of talk about the controversial cutoffs, but we still don't find a very good role for TMB uh, for non-small cell lung cancers. Um, so here's a question. Would you test for STK11 and keep one prior to deciding on pdl one therapy in first line? No, well, you know, I, we're, we're lucky. It comes as part of our, um, and it, most NGS um, panels will actually give you that information. Um, so it's there. I don't know that I would specifically look to test it and exclude a patient because we, we just don't know enough yet. Um, and, you know, if a patient's got a KRAS mutation, uh, they're more likely to co-express STK11. So you might have it in the back of your mind if they don't respond to it because there actually is a trial open now through LungMap um, looking specifically for patients who have um, SDK11 um, with a targeted agent. Um, so I, I think about it for clinical trials, but outside of a clinical trial, again, not ready for prime time. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a very, very, uh, very reasonable and rational approach there. And another question mentioned the uh, NFC2L2 mutated non-small cell lung cancer uh, patients uh, have seen similar outcomes as KEEP1 in very specific questions. I don't yeah. know that data. So, so I, th I think that was also coming out of um, similar data um, that Dr. Scalito was looking at. There was interesting data that came out of Dr. Scalito at uh, MD Anderson looking at SDK11 and LKB1 as potential predictors of lack of response to benefit for check um, checkpoint inhibitor therapy. He looked at this data specifically in patients enrolled in Keynote 189. Um, and he looked at patients, it was a retrospective study for patients who enrolled in, this, in the trial. He looked at those patients who had an SDK11 mutation um, and compared them to patients who were SDK11 wild type. What he found is that patients who had an SDK11 or KEEP1 had appeared to derive less benefit when they were treated with chemotherapy and a checkpoint inhibitor, both in terms of progression-free survival as well as overall survival. Um, again, I, I, I do wonder if eventually we're going to, you know, we, we don't have a biomarker. Everyone keeps talking about the biomarker. It's lacking because everyone's looking at it in silos, not across tumor types. And until we look across tumor types, this is a drug that transcends tumor types. So it's not specific to lung. So, you know, I, I, I do wonder if eventually we'll emerge with a lack of benefits, similar to how we knew if you're KRAS positive, don't give an EGFR inhibitor. If you have XYZ, don't give a checkpoint inhibitor but we're not there yet, I think, to exclude patients from therapy. Yeah, a lot of uh, sort of scientific uh, interest, uh, but uh, yeah, pragmatism is not taken over yet. And one question came in about 
if you detect a mutation on NGS, uh, but you have a PDL one greater than 50%, what would you do? And I'll, I'll just chime in, you know, you want to treat the druggable mutation. That's uh, generally the, the route we go rather than treating the uh, PDL one status per se. Um, uh, one question from Peru, so it's nice to have an international audience, is uh, after progression with carbofempembrosa 189, what's the best standard of care? So what do you like to do with those patients there? Yeah, outside of a clinical trial and outside of, you know, I, I feel like with checkpoint inhibitors, we've also gone to this kind of like oligo progression, like where did they progress? Is it one area? Can you radiate it and continue them on their therapy, which I do sometimes? But that aside, assuming there's a lot of progression, unfortunately, we're back to docetaxel and with or without remisirumab. I don't know if remisirumab is available in Peru, but that's sort of my go-to regimen. How about you, Ed? Yeah, that's that's exactly what we do. Uh, you know, we'll we'll try to you know sort of retest uh, markers, but uh, docetaxel ram is what we use in that situation uh, as well. It's kind of become uh, sort of a uh, our default, I think there. Um, one uh, one question that came up was, will there be a biomarker that will be better to replace PDL1? I feel like we've been talking about that a lot uh, at a lot of lung specialty meetings, and uh, everyone talks how badly PDL1 was, but you know, it's sticking around. It's a survivor right now. Yeah, hopefully we'll get hopefully we'll get one soon. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think it's more, a lot of the studies have used it, and so we were finding some differences, but uh, again, uh, hopefully we'll have a better one. Um, and then uh, one is a patient who had a mixed response to first-line PEMBRO, uh, resolution of most of the lesions, however, a few new lung small nodules, small, uh, new small lung nodules, not amenable to local treatment. Would you add chemo and continue PEMBRO, or would you go off the PEMBRO? Uh, you know, so how does that type of progression uh, dictate how you're going to treat the patient? So I think it depends on the size of the nodules. Um, you know, I had a patient who was responding really well in about 18 months, tiny little lung nodules showed up and lo and behold, we biopsied them and they were histo. So I think that you need to prove that because they were pet avid, you know, they were, they were just over a centimeter. I think you need to prove that it's true progression. Um, and if it's, you know, if you can't prove it, I think it's worth continuing the PEMBRO and sort of waiting a little bit more, you know, scan about three weeks, three months later and wait till you can biopsy a good definitive evidence of progression. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. Um, the, uh, you know, we always like to jump whenever we hear a radiologist say something, but uh, truth of the matter is you, you look at what's the imminent danger and if you're getting a response in, in a lot of the disease and the other stuff is non-threatening, it's okay to watch it grow a little bit as long as you're following the patient closely. So. Uh, if it, and let it declare whether it's really truly disease. Um, and then uh, we'll go with this question. So uh, uh, no driver mutations, PDL1 less than 1%, and they can receive anything uh, with, you know, any type of treatment. What will you treat that patient with? You know, I, I think it's kind of like you get comfortable with someone, so something. Um, so a non-squamous <laughs> patient, I'm going to give carbopemetrexid pembro. A squamous patient, I'm going to give carbo nab paclitaxel pembro. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are excited about the 9LA regimen. This, I'd like to see three, five-year survival that is so much better before I go to a more expensive, potentially more toxic regimen. So that's sort of my go-to. How about you? Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by 9LA, but I, I agree exactly with you. Uh, the uh, 189 works very well. It, it's very predictable side effects. Uh, in fact, there are very few. 
Um, and iffy kind of scares me a little bit still. Um, you know, it shouldn't. The melanoma doctors laugh at us when they see the dose of iffy that we're using. But uh, I think it's until something's proven better, you know, and, and we have some data around it, I'm not ready to just sort of switch uh, the same way. Um, and then one question was around stopping IO therapy due to side effects and then re-challenging later after corticosteroids. I think you got to weigh that by how bad the side effect was. Uh, you know, things can be very subtle and uh, we don't know what the optimal length of duration of treatment of IO is. And so, uh, you know, just because you can treat with steroids, get somebody back down to a less than grade one toxicity, uh, they're still at risk. And so I, I think that's really a consideration you have to take on a case by case basis. Uh, Leora, any thoughts there? Yeah, no, I agree. I actually had a patient who had grade three pneumonitis um, on the initial nivolumab trials, and then he maintained his response for a while, but when he progressed a couple of years later and nivolumab was approved, he talked me into a rechallenge and he got grade three pneumonitis again and he almost died. So it, it depends on the severity, you know, that you don't want the treatment to be worse than the disease. Yeah, I totally agree. So, okay, well, we're going to close this uh, part out. Thank you very much, Dr. Kim and Dr. Horn, and thanks to you, the listeners, for joining us. As a reminder, to view the full program, New and Evolving Therapeutic Targets in Lung Cancer, Expert Guidance in Incorporating Biomarker Testing to Deliver Precision Therapy, and to download the slide set associated with this discussion from the Clinical Care Options website, please click on the link in the show notes. Thank you for listening.